Welcome, one and all, to your Ms. Marvel podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me to my right is the man who needs no introduction. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. Our family is magical. The Ms. Marvel podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode five, time and again. It's brought to you by Daughter Microchip. If it was legal, we would do it. Pete, so, so such truth there spoken in your in your words. Pete, as we make our way through some bits and bobs here before we dive on into the episode, I believe you want to start with something. Yeah, I want to own up to last week saying that Walid was played by Fawad Khan when that is actually not the case. Walid was played in episode four, Seeing Red, by Farhan Akhtar. Um, however, what misled me was that Fawad Khan is in the episode four credits. You can go and look. Hence my confusion. So Fawad Khan, who plays Hassan, that a lot of fans of uh, Bollywood and of Near Eastern cinema had really looked forward to, uh, finally makes his debut in this fifth episode. Apologies for my confusion. Pete, I know way back when we were first doing some of the early preview podcasts, one of the things that we were both up front in saying is there there might be name details or pronunciations or cultural details that we might get wrong and part of the joy of this show is really being taken on a journey that's outside our personal cultural norms and uh hopefully this uh this a learning opportunity pete if nothing else i now have the wikipedia open for fawad khan and uh, his his smoldering handsomeness for his picture there is actually burning a picture in my monitor so i'm going to close that tab but uh Pete, a learning experience, hopefully uh, hopefully a net positive here. On to other show news. Matt, our Strange New Worlds uh, Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek will uh, bring you the season one finale podcast on Sunday morning. Pete, the show, the YouTubers, some YouTubers said, would never get made here uh, in, a, in a celebratory uh, and referential uh, season finale there. Cannot wait to talk about that. Talk about red and yellow and all sorts of mysterious things that I dare not spoil uh, here, but can't wait to really uh, get into on Sunday. And then, of course, looking ahead to Marvel Movie Monday, we'll be talking about Thor, Love, and Thunder, the latest entry. Uh, I actually, Pete, have a whole metaphor planned to explain how I how I have come to uh, to contextualize my feelings about the movie won't tip my hand here other than to say uh, it's like a wedding Pete bringing things to bridge maybe rainbow bridge from Thor to Ms. Marvel just want to point out uh, especially for those who uh, might not have seen Thor Love and Thunder yet uh, keep an eye on that Marvel Studios logo for Thor Love and Thunder uh, Iman Vellani showing up either in the A or the R uh, of the Marvel thing right, right at the very end uh, again, I'm not saying that she appears in the movie. I'm saying she appears in the Marvel Studios logo. Do not. I, here's the only spoiler I will give. Do not go to see Thor Love and Thunder thinking that Aman Vellani will show up. Based on what I have said, she only appears in the Marvel Studios uh, banner. But uh, that was certainly a welcome addition. This after Moon Knight popped up, obviously, uh, in Doctor Strange and here. Uh, in front of Ms. Marvel. So as current as could possibly be, Matt, we're going to back off by one day, given the big finale for Ms. Marvel coming this week for our podcast. Uh, yes. And uh, I can't think of an, an alliterative, you know, we got Marvel Movie Monday. We've had Star Trek Saturdays and Star Trek Sundays. Uh, how about it's going to be a special Saturday where we talk, Ms. Marvel's special season solution season. I don't know. But yes, Ms. Marvel episode six, we will discuss next Saturday, not next Friday. So uh, I know Pete, we're recording this one. It's still technically is Friday. It might hit podcast feeds uh, on the overnight, but I want to have that expectation there that we'll be podcasting episode six next Saturday. 
And finally, Matt, Amon Volani has spoken out against the haters who have review bombed this show. You'd think that review bombers would know at this point they're not really having any impact. Um, I, I know Pete later will read an email that you know takes some takes some uh, sadness to hear that the the third party uh, metrics showing review number, you know, not review numbers, the viewer numbers. You know, oh, it's a shame it's it's not higher. I'd say a, it is what it is, and b. Disney's throwing money into all sorts of things. That might not be the case five years from now. That might not be the case ten years from now. This show is going to be evergreen. If you don't believe me, ask uh, Daredevil and all of those shows that are now evergreen here. Um, so we got this. We can hope for more. And uh, we're all we're all here to watch. We're all here to enjoy it. I know they're there. It's something we knew was going to happen going into this. It happened when the comic books came out in 2014. I'm all for constructive criticism as long as people have a legitimate concern or suggestion uh, or something real. Then I care. But all the hatred I've seen has no basis, no merit. It's purely for the sake of hating. And that's fine. You're not going to impress everyone. We hit our target audience and we hit an entirely new audience that didn't know they were going to fall in love with this character. People who have never seen themselves represented in a positive light before. Pete, she's still just 19, right? Mm -hmm. She still is just a fairly recent graduate from Unionville High School in uh, Ontario, Canada. Like, what a... I mean, I feel like her response, almost as eloquent as... Anson Mount's response to similar stuff going on in Star Wars, and here it is, Star Trek coming in to to share solidarity and so forth. And Anson Mount's been, you know, taking more trips around the sun, uh, probably by about double compared to Amon Vellani. That's that's just a great sentiment. There's, as I often say, there's probably someone in her orbit, someone in her world that's like, oh, let's just give a quick little quote and not stoke the fire. But no, our hero can dive on into the center mm -hmm. of it and speak mm -hmm. truth. And uh, that's why she got the role. The Marvel Studios title card, Matt, moves from color to flickering black and white and then into a newsreel as India will awake to independence on the eve of August 15th, 1947. Yes, this calming british voice telling us that partition is just going to be just fine since india is free pakistan will be for the muslims there might be some mass migration uh we do get a bit more uh reality uh captured here in the newsreel riots happening violence increasing homes torched i'll just say pete for anybody who wants to go down I won't say the click hole. That's a that's a poor way to put it. For anybody who wants to look more into this issue of partition, if only on Wikipedia, it it's all worse than you think. Like hundreds of thousands of sexual assaults and things like that. Like it's worse than you think. Um, but the show here bringing it bringing it uh, to a level of reality that is you know uh, new to I think to to so many of us. Um, and then. In the narrative here, we go back to 1942, references made to 1942, that is, and the fight for independence. Then, Pete, we cut to color and full screen. There's a woman with dark hair on the run from a Brit. He receives a flying dagger. And then we get the perhaps most vibrant title card yet across different languages and cultures and colors and, and energies. Yes, that woman, of course, Aisha. Uh, in a village later on, uh, a man is speaking out about the British, uh, but pointing out that peace is not weakness. And as he's making this impassioned speech, this man with a cane, uh, Aisha hears this, uh, seems interested before British soldiers come and shut it down. As those soldiers come in, Aisha is watching. Time passes. We see that she's wearing uh, the bangle. She is woken by the as of yet unnamed speechifying man. We'll find out later that it is Hassan. 
He'd like her to stop trampling on his poor roses that he has arranged out here. Uh, but perhaps she's the one who needs help. She says, no, no, thank you. He nonetheless offers food and a place to rest in his cottage. And he slowly walks back through the roses. Uh, time moves to night. She still is outside considering the cottage ends up in there. I love Pete that we're kind of being free with time here. You know, we don't need some sort of 24 style, you know, 8 PM. Like we can just flow one scene to the next without, yes, I will come in, cut to the door opening again, just letting time kind of, kind of flow a bit more, uh, a bit more abstractly here. She's inside. She's given a modest meal, resisting the Partha. It's freshly fried. Can you, can you say no to freshly fried Partha? Ultimately, she says no. She chomps down. Uh, she's about to share her name. No, her name is not Hungry. It is. Okay, it still is unsaid for now, even though we know it's Aisha. The man notes that she's not British, nor from this village. Uh, and she says that uh, she likes his roses. Uh, and then finally, after he says that she reminds him of a poem, uh, it's revealed that she is indeed Aisha, a beautiful name. She who lives there, and he introduces himself as Hassan. This, of course, the Bawad Khan character. Later, Matt, she walks with a rose in her hair, uh, with roses on the ground there, teases Hassan that though he's attached to the rotting tree branch, she has a nice new cane for him. Uh, she thanks him for making a home for her there. And the camera pans down to help us realize the amount of time has passed and she is with child. Indeed, Pete, I think it's been about eight months of time or, 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 or somewhere in there. Uh, later still, she's singing to a baby. Again, we don't need dialogue to say this is my baby like they're trusting the audience young skewing as it might be to just you can stick with the visuals here and understand what's going on um the there's some attention given to the bangle on mom's arm that the camera favoring it yet again hassan says the baby um looks at aisha as though she is magic later again uh, the baby is a year or so old now, as Hassan listens to the radio, uh, hearing updates about how peaceful disturbances have now started to turn into bloodshed, Aisha says that we will get through this. However, there's a knock at the door. It's a man dropping off milk and vegetables. Hassan says that he does not want charity. He yells at Rohan for how uh, Hassan and Aisha have been marginalized. Is this because Hassan is a Muslim? Uh, but wait, what's that out in the fields, Pete? Yes, Aisha heads out there, ultimately finding Najma, uh, who asks if this is where she's hidden. But they hug. Uh, they, uh, the clandestines, thought that Aisha was dead. They searched everywhere for years. So again, we get that recap as to time passage. But now that they've found her, they can totally put their plan into action. But Aisha thinks quickly. She's hidden the bangle. It's going to take a little time to retrieve it. And we get a story clock of sundown tomorrow. And then they all go home together. Aisha notes uh, to Hassan that the riots are spreading. It's time to pack, time to leave, despite the fact that this is uh, the home that Hassan's father built for him. Uh, Muslim homes are being burned everywhere. Lives are being lost. Uh, it's observed that a new home can be built together, but only if they leave now. Aisha gives her daughter the bangle and says that it will keep her safe. Uh, we start to see some familiar signs of a mass exodus, uh, which is to say kind of leading towards the train station scene. We're not quite there yet, but... Uh, amongst this mass exodus, Hassan and Aisha are, are there as well, of course. Hassan can't keep up his bad leg. But what are they running from? What, what's that mystery woman? Who who was that? Uh, Aisha shows him the bangle. Uh, he said that she was kind of magic. Well, the bangle is magic. We see it do some magic blue light shape-shifting. Uh, but why tell her now? She says she is uh, still choosing him and their family. 
Sanaa must get on the train tonight, regardless of what happens. Hassan confidently says nothing will happen. But as this starts to fit into what we've heard in the prior four episodes, we know that there's uh, that there's not good things ahead. The lushness of the location here. Remember that they filmed in Thailand, standing in for Pakistan, um, matched only by Charmaine Obedjinoy's, uh, you know, angles or decisions there with the camera as a director. And then you take in the performances, Matt. Okay. We mentioned Mr. Khan before. Okay. Let's give it up for Aisha actress, uh, Mawish Hayat here. Like the couple, you really believe in them, uh, their relationship, her conflict, both wanting to remain true to her people. And then with this man, she's fallen in love with and had a child. All of those talents that you mentioned are people that are brand new to me, brand new to you. And I think that's part of the that's part of the charm and the magic of this show. And I would say by extension, the decision for it to be made into a show that you see that these actors and this director, a director, by the way, who's been principally a documentarian um, before, before this show, this massive talent that they have, that it works here for comic book show that features a lot of Southeast Asian people and also, you know, pew, pew light powers, but, the talent is shining through regardless of whether this is a show for younger skewing Marvel fans or for people who like action adventure. Like it, it, again, just the talent is what's, what's rising to the top here. The social relevance of what I've watched. I mean, Matt, it feels like I'm watching Watchmen again. Like we had the discussion when we podcast the HBO series in 2019 with the Tulsa race riots of 1921. Okay. Something, uh, you nor I were taught in school. Okay. And you know, when we're at the Paley center and the discussion turned to partition, I didn't know what that was. And I feel like, I'm having a very similar experience. Tulsa riots, partition, the comic book background, and again, the exposure in terms of these world events. Yeah, and particularly, not to, not to put too fine a point on it, but particularly the way at the Paley Center, uh, the panel there, I think, speaking to uh, an audience of people for, who, for the most part, understood what partition was, for them to just casually, uh, casually is the wrong word, for them to just reference it as common knowledge and kind of sitting there going, is no one going to explain what that is? I guess not. It's on the, the ride home where it's like, wait, let me, I, I think that's an India thing. You know, the the knowledge you know, to your point, Pete, the knowledge that's the true knowledge, the real world knowledge that's being shared here, in addition to, let's call it maybe secondary knowledge, like, wow, these are great actors. Wow, this is a talented director. That's the gift of this show. Not, you know, time travel, stuff space time was cut into. Will we ever see he who shall not be named? Like, I don't care about those things in this episode. Same as I said last week. It, this has become about the characters and not about what's the phase four plan. What's the connection? Is is it all, you know, hashtag it's all connected. Those things are all fading away as these characters fictional and these stories, some of which are true, are, are the primary uh, vessel in this story. We knew when we saw the trailer that we were going to get a dynamic lead in Amon Balani here. She doesn't show up until halfway through the episode. You know, I'm watching Ms. Marvel, Matt, and, you know, in the best way, I'm saying, is Ms. Marvel going to be in Ms. Marvel this week? Uh, Because I'm I'm taken on this journey. Um, And then you consider the importance of what they're exposing people to 
they could have never advertised this as such. The same way Watchmen wasn't like, we're going to tell the untold story of Black Wall Street and how it was burned to the ground in this awful, awful thing that, uh, yeah, wasn't in your textbooks forever. All of this leads us to the train station scene, which is familiar. The chaos, you know, had me thinking of, um, had me thinking of other times that you've seen chaos like this, um, and how there's just this, there's this sad universality here of this unfolding refugee experience. Um, we are focused here on the train that's on platform one, ready to leave, getting ready to leave. Aisha senses something, leaves Hassan and Sanaa. Aisha's headed back kind of against the flow of people uh, to Najma. In fact, and let me just pause the recap for a moment, Pete. I was struck in this scene in particular. You have all these extras. The show is being shot fine. It's Thailand, not Pakistan. Fine. Um, it's being shot in the midst of COVID lockdown in Thailand. They got special exception to do this and so forth. I think there and are... They had waves after us. Um, you know, I, I don't know exact dates, but, you know, much in the way that they're using Europe to predict our trends in the United States. They use the United States to predict trends elsewhere. And, um, you know, that part of the world went through some real heavy waves after we went through them. Yeah. And to, I think possibly, uh, later in this, uh, train scene when, uh, Kamala does show up, there may be a few instances where there's a bit of a camera cheat. And I don't mean that in a negative way at, at all, but I think it's like, we're going to have a tight shot on Kamala here and five extras around here to give the impression that things are still really crowded. And in, in non COVID times, that's a legit way to just make, you know, to make a scene work, to get through the last shot of the night that's on the list, that sort of thing. But the, the thing I want to highlight here is that they are going full on with a bunch of extras they're not shying away from getting this scene obviously with the biggest hope of you know super strict uh quite frankly pete what are some of the strictest covid protocols outside of the world of medicine they're hollywood protocols hopefully with the strictest hollywood protocols even though they're filming in thailand uh to ensure safety what do you have in the camera here what do you have this wave of people the aisha is now moving against so the, the visual is there the film is forever and all of that uh, as she meets up with Najma. Yes, who asks her uh, where the bangle is and if she's turned her back on them. And Najma stabs her here um, and uh, vows that she'll get the bangle back if it's the last thing that she does. All this as father and daughter have been separated and Aisha struggling with her wound, with this, she drops the bangle after rereading that uh, quote from the poem about what you seek, seeking you. Um, the dropping of the bangle seeming to, Matt, in this time, bring the converse all-stars of Kamala Khan when we know that the bangle in 2023 is stabbed by Najma then, which sends Kamala back in time. I feel like Pete may be in some other Marvel forum. Maybe if somebody could really explain a Einstein-Rosen bridge and how two points can really kind of go over each other. But Pete, maybe we'll talk about that in a couple of days. I don't know. But certainly, uh, my little Thor reference aside, um, it tracks for the pseudo-science, sci-fi, comic book fiction pot that we're in, that two stabbings around the bangle at different points in time would indeed give us a flash cut to get Kamala here amidst the chaos, finding Aisha. Aisha says the bangle worked, get Sanaa to the train, protect uh, everything that you need. Uh, the story, of course, was that, uh, was that Nani, you know, young Sanaa, was saved by her mother, 
But uh, the dying Aisha says it's okay because Kamala is here. Kamala finds Sanaa, hugs her. We're going to find Abu, dad. Uh, and then she hears Hassan calling out for, uh, for his daughter. Kamala can't do the stars as the story promises, but she can do circles, those uh, platforms. She gives a hard light uh, platform indeed, letting Sanaa jump and jump. Uh, and then the broken pieces do turn into stars of a sort. And Sanaa uses the pieces to light her way to the father. Uh, so no surprise that they were reunited, but uh, it's emotionally fulfilling nonetheless. It was her. It was Kamala all along. Uh, the train leaves and the bangle glows. And we head back to the future where Kamala is on the ground, as is Najma. And the veil, it's open. Of course, we were told how dangerous that is, uh, but we cut on moment of, uh, of tension here. We cut back to Nani's house where mom's upset. Kamala isn't picking up her phone. She would chip her kid if she was able, uh, able to. Uh, one of the cousins talks about, you know, you can just log into your account and use the find my phone feature. Uh, why is mom hearing about this just now? Pete, I would say this <laughs> to any parents out there. Um, it's your planned ignorance if you don't know about that. Research it because it's all there. You can manage all sorts of stuff that you don't want your kids doing on their phone, uh, like when they can't and how to track them. Uh, it's great. It's a great thing to be like, here, have a thing that you have fun for TikTok. Now I track you. It's awesome. Faria tells Najma they can go home. She touches the veil, but then turns crystalline before her skeleton collapses into dust. That's how you know it's serious, by the way. It's like, oh, she's turning into a rock crystal with a stasis. Nope, there's a skull. She's dead. <laughs> Kamala uses her hard light here to block it. She tells Kareem to get the people out of there and asks Najma for her help to close it. But Najma, she, she can make it, Matt. She's going to be the one to totally not turn into a crystalline skeleton and then into dust. But Kamala reminds her she has Kamran. She says, however, that she doesn't. She left him behind. But Kamala, who's gone back here, knows that Najma can go back and get him. All Aisha wanted was family uh, and that she... Uh, Najma um, shouldn't take family from Kamran too. Ultimately, Pete, the decision made by Najma is that she can only close the veil one way. She steps into the energy. She says Kamran's name, uh, but Pete, she's not the hero of this story. She's only the hero of her own story, and she indeed appears to be quite, uh, you know, rockified, skullified, and so forth. With that, we cut to Kamran elsewhere as it seems the energy finds him and perhaps powers him up his eyes as a gin lighting up and also his fists appearing like Kamala's but not exactly uh, the veil closes and suddenly Muniba and Nani are there what was Kamala doing are her hands hurt who is that boy there of course kareem uh so kamala is the light girl matt uh surprise mom she's the light girl uh not as surprised is nani who knows of course that the family is magical uh kamala gives nani the picture uh from the past uh picture of baby nani with her parents of course the picture still rather fresh by the virtue of time travel and so forth. So a very, very tender moment there. Mom wants answers, but Nani summarizes that two people fell in love and created something much bigger than either of them. So shall we go home? Kamala says yes after one quick thing. And she kind of energy pulses away off camera up to the next level. I'm going to charitably say maybe because budget, um, because it's kind of a weird moment in the show. It's not really shying away from having little platforms for her to beep, boop, boop on. But there she is, Pete, up on the second level. Kamala saying goodbye to Kareem, who says that she'll be fine. 
Uh, she thanks him for everything. He says he'll definitely, absolutely help again in any way that he can, though the U.S. government may have several warrants out for him. So, <laughs> you know, leavened, leavened with, with some truth there. He does, however, give her his face scarf. Yes. So we're getting closer and closer to the iconic Ms. Marvel outfit there. Uh, we've got the, the blue portion and now we've got the scarf. Um, and then Matt Muniba finds Kamala's necklace and the way she holds it uh, looks like the iconic lightning bolt there. We thought it was going to be the lightning bolt uh, on the uh, the building in what's standing in for Jersey City in Atlanta uh, for an electric company. But here they're giving it to us in jewelry. Do you remember, Pete, back in the first season of Daredevil, how they did not? Yes, all those episodes, I think it was 13 in the first season, all those episodes yep. dropped at once. But they gave it a couple of days in the, I'll say album art, you know, the art when you click on it. They gave it a couple of days before they they gave you the costume. I wish Disney Plus did that here because we're building towards some kind of costume. Pete, I'll even turn a blind eye to the fact that I've seen pictures from filming a year ago where she there she was in the costume mm. looking fantastic. Like, I could turn a blind eye to that memory, but I, Pete, I can't forget it every single time i log into disney plus and there she is sitting there in the costume like couldn't you have held back till episode six and go boom costume but such is the way of things i suppose within the narrative though it's awesome that we're slowly building towards it we end up at home as was nani's plan uh they're looking at old photos mom at 16 who who a year later ran to was it was it here bruce springfield uh, no, no. Um, uh, it was Bon Jovi, of course. Um, Mom's greatest adventure has ended up being, though, uh, Kamala's mother. And she's not ready to let her go. So maybe she hold, you know, she does hold her tight. Fact, that's what Mom says. I think the implication is if Mom is holding too tight, it's because she's not ready to let go. And then just a really heartfelt, such a sweet contrast where Nani says, however, that she did not hold her own daughter hard enough. Um, so just this opportunity for reflection through the generations and reflection at a teenager and a middle-aged woman and a grandmotherly-aged woman and all, you know, here we have three generations of women showing understanding and support. There's a group hug. It's well-earned. Again, I know we're about to head into like more of a typical marvel scene with like a robot and missiles and explosions but the heart of this show pete is that group hug matt did you have on your bingo card for phase four marvel essentially pulling an ethnic steel magnolias and making it work i did not but i think th there's i've seen some God, on like the YouTube end of things, some like Marvel doesn't have a like a plan for phase four. I think we talked about this a little bit last week too. You know, 5G has said, you'll see the plan. Some people are starting to discover the plan. Like, gee whiz, Pete, there's a multiverse in Spider-Man and a multiverse in Doctor Strange and there's a multiverse in Loki. Like, we're headed towards more multiverse Illuminati, whatever kind of stuff. But in the interim, there's kind of not that clear cut. We are headed to fight the comet of death or whatever it is. And I feel like Marvel has leaned into it to say, while we're not racing towards telling the story of all six stones so that we can do a two part, five hour, two movie thing, we're going to slow down and we're going to sit and have three ladies hug about what it's like to be a, a, a daughter and a mother and different cultures and all that. We're going to slow down and we're going to create a new recipe here that isn't necessarily just a rehash of like, can we get to Avengers 6, 7, and 8 as fast as possible? So the fact that we don't know, it's not a negative. It, you know, it's not a bug. It's a feature. I would argue it's the way it was and the way it needs to be. 
did we care about the time stone ever? Nope. No. Did we care when uh, Thanos used it and we had to watch Vision die twice? <laughs> I cared about that part because I, I like Vision for all those movies he's been in. Yeah. So when Kamala Khan, because, uh, hey, spoiler, she ain't going anywhere, okay? But Pete, is, some people have review bombed so hard. Uh, you mean that's not going to have an impact? When she's neck deep in this next big saga, okay, whether it's going to be Kang the Conqueror uh, and all the variants, whether it's going to be the Silver Surfer and Galactus, um, we're going to care. We're going to care about the collateral damage. We're, we're going to care about the people in their orbit and it's the way it needs to be. So we head back to Jersey City, Matt, again, Atlanta standing in, and the Circle Q, where our boy Bruno, sometimes known, or all the time known, uh, <laughs> by Comron, as Brian, is thrown out the trash. Yeah, Comron's there. He needs help from from Brian. He, he digs those science posters, but like, of course, does not get the Nikola Tesla poster. Oh, you're a car guy, uh, Pete. This on a this on a day that has maybe not been great for the car guy, uh, but that's you that's... know what I I think he's had enough good days. He can he can have a bad day once in a while uh, because his grade school joke stock price uh, need to buy a social media platform fell on its face. Boo hoo. So we're talking about the Nikola Tesla, you know, the scientist, because Pete, as I've said before, let's not forget a deep underpinning to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, to the Marvel Comic Universe is an appreciation for science and scientists, even as crazy as things can get with magic and Thor and multiverses and whatnot. There's an underpinning of science there. Comron realizes they're not connecting as they talk about the not car guy. Um, and some like, yeah, I dig argon as one of the noble gases. Um, so Comron, he does a restart, Pete. I'm Comron. Wait, you're, you're Bruno, not Brian. Legit apologies there. Uh, as they, as they start fresh, Comron says that he needs to stay put, but you know, cause his mom's going to find him. Right. Uh, Bruno notes that he doesn't have parents anymore either. Um, Maybe we'll spend a little theory time talking about who's in charge of the 16-year-old. But I digress, Pete. The, they do have a mission, of course. They are going to successfully work together to avoid damage control. The end, right? <laughs> uh, not through the view of the drone outside the window there that results in an explosion to end the episode. We are searching the internet for all the theories. Pete, I, I don't want to pull back the story veil too much, but let's start with this. I guess it was not 110% clear that like Bruno was also a comic book orphan guy. Um, who's So he lives above the Circle Q. I, uh, let me propose this, Pete, as the easiest answer. Uh, I, I know there's not a lot of uh, teen uh, emancipation in... New Jersey, that tends to be a California thing for actors that are, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, you get adult status even before being 18. Can we just say that's the case with Bruno? That's why he apparently owns a Circle Q and works at it all the time, lives above it, and doesn't have parents. Is he just an emancipated teen? They've referenced his grandmother, his Nona. Uh, remember in the pilot, he was sent home with uh, food, particularly spicy food for the grandmother. And he tells Cameron that she's out of town. Oh. Okay. Like yeah. we, we don't need the characters there. Is, is it curious that he doesn't appear with parents? Yes. But they've done it to underscore that, Hey, he, he doesn't really have that connection in his life. Also, Matt, he might be untethered and go to Caltech in the finale, at least until he shows up in the marbles. It would be really cool 
to have as much of the cast from this show be in the Marvels. And and I think we have discussed sometimes I occasionally have these these discussions entirely in my head when we're not podcasting, but I think we've discussed how the Spider-Man films, I think, have been a template for this show and not in a simple copy-paste kind of way, but the ability to be like, like, not for nothing, Pete, did you think in the first Spider-Man movie that by the third Spider-Man movie, Ned would be an integral part to the plot to save the universes? And or magic. Right, like, you build to that and you start with the, you know, you start with the, 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 the modest, you know, these are my school friends. This is my mom and my dad. The prospect that we're headed towards that Pete, hopefully they're used in a very quality way. I look forward to maybe talking in a couple of days about a use of really great characters in a less quality way, but I digress, Pete. I can't wait to see Bruno and some of these other characters in the Marvel's uh in almost a year's time pete we're almost at the one year uh mark we're we're getting there slowly remember we had the dates change i mean matt we were talking when we saw thor last night when was the last time we went to a marvel studios movie that did not carry a trailer for the next marvel studios movie um I can't remember when, and uh, maybe we'll save we'll we'll save the discussion about possibilities for Black Panther or Wakanda forever. Maybe we'll save that for the Thor podcast. But I know this, Pete, July twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. As of today, that's when the Marvels comes out. So what? It's only one. It's only fifty four weeks away. We can do this, no problem. <laughs> Is that all? Yeah. Um, I don't think we have as much to juggle in this finale as some people have bandied about. We've solved the veil and the, the nor issue, at least immediately. Does that continue to linger on? It certainly could. You know, Comron could decide now with his powers. Oh, my mom went back. That Kamala doesn't tell him maybe what happened or it's too painful she doesn't want to be the bearer of that news and he tries to pursue it and maybe that is the threat i've maintained the entire time that what's happened here is obviously going to get the attention of one carol danvers um it could be a way to go with comron trying to reopen the uh connection via the veil to the normal dimension we do need a villain for the finale and there's the comic book trope of the equally powered but oppositely um opposite morals or negative powers or you know whatever it is it's the the other side of the coin it would appear to be comron at this point it could i think a baddie though not of like the opposite power um, who was it in Superman four? Was that negative man? What was his name? Star evil Gene Hackman voice guy with nails. Yeah. <laughs> Anti Superman man. Nuclear, nuclear man. Yes. Um, it could be. So DODC could be your villainous force. I would actually, Pete, if I could get transported to the back in time with my own pangle, um, to the Ms. Marvel writer's room, I would propose DODC would be better on a variety of fronts, including like the big bad government organization that's like, hey, let's go get, you know, those powers. And also the Muslims can't really feel great about them. So powered Muslims, yeehaw, let's go get them. That's a better villain in my book. Um, I feel like though, Pete, our beloved MCU What's the rap? The rap is the wrap up fight is usually the one you saw coming the entire time and all of that. And if that's the case, that's fine. Um, but I think, is it safe to say, Pete, either Comron or DODC? I don't think we're going to suddenly get, you know, somebody else. I don't think it's a winner take all situation necessarily. Like only one can triumph here. Obviously, um, with Deaver 
and the liberties taken via the DODC, uh, you know, there needs to be resolution there. And Comron now, in addition to being an orphan, you know, with these powers untrained where Kamala is now trained and, you know, what are the nature of his, they had speculated, okay, oh, he'd, he'd get something like she had the bangle, you know, are his powers tethered to an object? Is this just the nature of his, uh, gin DNA? And then you consider too, all right, let's look again, not only at Kamala, we've We've got to get her in the suit, right? What's the thing that could put her in the suit and we can have the big, you know, you've referenced Daredevil before. We don't see the Daredevil suit until episode 13 in an episode called Daredevil of a show called Daredevil. <laughs> um, will next week call be called Ms. Marvel? It'll be in the show, Ms. Marvel. Um, but how about two, you know, we got to resolve Bruno and Caltech. Let's not forget the drama between um, Kamala and Nakia. Nakia is not speaking to her. She feels betrayed that this secret's been kept from her, uh, that Kamala is nightlight, light girl, Ms. Marvel. You know, uh, it's, not a, it's not a complaint. Uh, hopefully it doesn't come off as, as a complaint for me to say that this the, the this is a shorter episode. This is for a 41-minute episode, so you figure what? They're one, shortest yet. Yeah, they're shortest yet. You you exclude um, the previously on, the Marvel Studios card, and the credits. You know, this is like a 32, 35-minute episode. Um, that's become a thing on Disney+, Plus, Star Wars, and Marvel. Certainly, my expectation would be if we if our first two episodes were fifty and fifty two minutes, and then heck, the third, three and four were forty eight. You want to tell me episode five is the one where when the accountant comes in and goes, "Hey, we got to lop off two million dollars," that that you nibble away from episode fives generally, or if the accountant says, "We need to come up with two million dollars because." Wow, it's the best episode six finale yet. Kevin loves it. Come up with $2 million. Do you, do you nibble away from episode five? My point being, there's a lot of story stuff that needs to happen. Um, and unless you want to feel like a recent Marvel Studios movie where maybe things might sometimes go a little too fast compared to the, the joys of TV where you can spread out characterization a bit more, I would like to see... I'd like to see an hour finale. That's probably asking for a bit much, but I'd like to see 45 minutes minimum, 50, 55 would be nice. I think then I would be able to click on it and go, I know we have enough time for a heartfelt finale, for family resolution, for the costume being kind of organically made, uh, and then maybe even Pete. Stick to the end. You never know who might show up. And let's not forget, too, you know, whether it's Bruno, whether it's Comron, you know, is there going to be a choice there for Kamala? Uh, must there be a choice? I would argue there doesn't have to be. Um, and then, you know, we've had the gin. We had this severed blue arm with the bangle. Is there still another bangle dangling around there someplace um i feel like where in other finales we pretty much know where it's going i feel this is a lot more wide open yes and you know what M much much love to obi-wan kenobi the series that that you know we had super high praise for but was there ever any doubt in the end that he's going to go back to like checking in on Luke Skywalker? He's going to go back to Tatooine by the end of it, and he's going to make sure Luke Skywalker is okay, but he's going to kind of be at a distance. Like, it's that is what that is, and that's okay. That's because that's part of you know what that's doing as a prequel. Fine, she shows up in the Marvels in a summer, you know, in, in the summer after this one. 
you know, and yes, I think Carol Danvers showing up would be very possible. There then is, as I've mentioned before, there then is the lesson from WandaVision. Hey, we're going to take some of the air out of the balloon if we have Doctor Strange show up. That was a little more of a gender dynamic, but are we going to take air out of this beautiful con family balloon if Carol Danvers shows up and says, hi, mom, hi, dad, hi, Nani, great to meet you, but I need to take her because there's a really scary thing in space, 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 and away. Like, that doesn't feel like an ending to this show. That feels like the beginning of the Marvels. Lost in the shuffle here, too, is that... um... Muniba, that uh, Zenobia Shroff's character has found out what her daughter is and that they've come to this understanding. So that's been fully realized. I'm looking forward to seeing that continue to develop as well as her, uh, you know, getting with her father again and uh, her newlywed brother. Sounds like you two are saying, hey, give us a 55-minute finale where we can do all of these things. And if we are going to get a big razzle-dazzle, can't wait for the the Marvels kind of moment, let it be earned after we've done all these things, not at the expense of them. May I uh, pitch you in the Fantastic Geek writer's room? Absolutely. You know, the, the newlyweds come back. They've taken their honeymoon. They arrive to the idyllic scene where mom and daughter now see eye to eye and dad can even wear his Hulk cosplay and ding dong, Matt, who's at the door? Uh, Carol Danvers. Boom. That's a great way to do it. Um, that's a great way to do it. Absolutely. Pete, the only note I would have is can we include a hostess cherry hand pie in there? <laughs> hand pies for everyone. Let's scroll down and check the comments section. Pete will start as we always do with our Twitter poll where uh, <laughs> Pete, here was my trick this week. I did not use hashtag Ms. Marvel. And then I gave people the opportunity to give a four, three, two, one vote for how many masks they would give the episode. Uh, Surprisingly, Pete, you'll never guess without using the hashtag Ms. Marvel, okay, which means people just couldn't randomly look for that and then review bomb. Uh, one mask got zero percent, huh? Okay, two masks, 6.3 percent, three masks, 21.9 percent, then four masks in this heartfelt outing got 71.9 percent. Some comments Noel Gardner at Noel Camille, episode five continues to be the powerful one. Uh, Listeners, I'm sure, will remember that Noel has kind of charted the episode five as the big emotional um, reveal type episode for these Disney Plus shows. Uh, Noel says, I was not disappointed. I love the backstory and all of Kamala's family life. What's, uh, or family line, rather. What's left for the finale? Is the DODC a real bad guy? Uh, Bike BRH, that's at Bike BRH, says, I'm a little late, but I can only give this two stars because of some of the worst CGI in Marvel history with the two gin ladies. And because the trail of stars was disappointing. I was led to believe it was significantly long. It was maybe 50 feet at best. So uh, two stars, Pete, because the trail of stars was not long enough and there was terrible CG. There were a lot more than two stars, Matt. Um, regardless, Pete, moving on to Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC 139. While I don't normally gravitate towards period pieces, Ms. Marvel 105 was a good, albeit short dive into Kamala's family history that I appreciated for story purposes and character development. The predestination paradox was effective, though many predicted it. And that experience gave Kamala the mental fortitude she'll need for next week's finale. Marvel Studios always getting it right in my book and Pete Spider-Ham Lincoln making reference to the 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 very wise notion that whatever happened happened uh and therefore she was always going to go back there to be the person that did the thing that they now talk about. The grandfather paradox in this case the grandmother. 
Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983 says this whole series has been about family and I love it. Such a lovely love story about Kamala's great grandparents and what she and and she was the hero in her grandmother's story. I don't even know what to expect next week and I don't care. Great story. JT Adkins, JTA is me, says Hooray to this show for having the boldness to give the fans a rich backstory that is very out of the box for a superhero series. Very well done. Next up, Pete, the wise words of David Siller. That's at Siller, David Poet. I think it's uh, Geek Kirk, at Geek Kirk, Mary Kirk, who coined the refrain praise about episode five for the D-plus shows. Tip of the bangle to her for noticing that pattern, uh, noticing this pattern that Ms. Marvel has continued with great success. From the opening images slash newsreel voiceover to the final exposition, this episode had it all. And I love the continued emphasis on family, faith, and doing good. For all its cosmic and historical and superheroical weight, this show has an intimacy and a quietness that truly makes it special. And I'm really loving the parallels to other MCU heroes it's setting up. Even if we don't get crossovers, etc., Peter and Kamala dealing with youth and new powers. Kamala and Kate Bishop taking notes from slash emulating their heroes. Kamala's family history and Tony's family history. Real history impacting Kamala, similar to the way it impacted Steve. Importance of best friends. Uh, Kamala's snark matching Carol Danvers' snark, etc. I expect the final episode will keep with the intimacy uh, of this coming-of-age story and surprise us with a Carol or Nick Fury or both bringing our Ms. Marvel into the bigger cosmic picture. I love Maniva discovering Kamala's power like Aunt May. I don't want episode six to end this chapter, but let's hope it's jam-packed and embiggened with more of the phenomenal good bits in this show uh, that the show's already delivered. Ms. Marvel continues to wow its, with its fantasticness. Hurry, Wednesday. Uh, Pete, I think the Nick Fury um, one, is that's a, that's a good that's a good plan B. If it's not Carol at the door, Nick Fury at the door could be really, really something. I could think of an even better shield adjacent cameo. Uh, who? Who could it be, Pete? I'm not going to say. Okay, fair enough. We hear from the aforementioned LMD Mary that's at Geek Kirk. I watched the MCU for episodes like number five. I cried like four times. My investment in the emotions and the growth of characters like these are why I care when they get in fights. I care about them and I don't want them to be harmed. Loved it. Ready for more? Next up, AK Frank Castle. That's DJ underscore black, B-L-A-K 357. Absolutely love this show, even though I haven't seen a path train anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Pete, you want to explain path trains? Uh go for it it's a between north jersey and into manhattan it's a cross state train situation that's i don't know how it's different from new jersey transit and whatnot but it kind of is i feel like it's more of a local commuter as opposed Mm -hmm. to a longer commuter but that's an excellent observation on his part uh mr dj here having new jersey and philadelphia and new york knowledge and all of that so that's a really fair point um anyhow he says the actress the entire cast is outstanding also you can't convince me that wasn't a cree hand it's all connected i hope as far as damage control phil colson's shield would never <laughs> true i would agree uh j philly b that's at j philly b for fandom i don't know what i was expecting but not a najma sacrifice was not it of course there's still the question of who Whose blue arm Aisha found? Too big to be Papa Smurf. <laughs> Pete, open up a tab. Find out who who owns the Smurf rights. This could be this could be the big Smurf Disney reveal. I don't know. Uh, is there a one armed bandit Atlantic City joke buried in the rubble? Bring on the finale and evil glowy Comron. James is sagacious. Big Kiln on Twitter says amazing. Not sure if I can cope with just one more episode. Darren Bell at Darth Rasslin 79 says, apart from the last five minutes, this felt like a finale. Enjoyed the episode and felt it summed up uh, everything really well. Weirdly got dust in my eyes a couple of times while watching. Uh, Bob Keeley, that's at R. Keeley, said, I, uh, says, I said last week, my, uh, last week was my least favorite episode of the season so far. This week has been my favorite. Such a good backstory. Sure, we saw the trail of stars coming, but it made it no less 
satisfying. So much fun. And last one, Pete from Strange New Tweets. K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter. Nice backstory. Episode was way too short, but I think it's a shrug emoji. Uh, not much action, but some nice emotional beats. So far, I've been very happy with the show. Hope the finale has lots of action and is a lot longer. To the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, Matt, where Steve Adams writes in, This week, we got the usual flashback episode, this time focusing on Ms. Marvel. As you predicted, Kamala proves to be the one who saves her grandmother by getting her to the train in time. This gave us a setup for a great moment between Kamala, her mother, and her grandmother. This was beautiful to watch. I am a little confused as to what happened when the djinn closed the veil. Did Kamran's mother transfer her abilities to him or activate them? I hope we get some clarity next week. Last week, you touched on the question about Kamala's name. I have been reading Ms. Marvel comics to become more familiar with her. In one of the early issues, her father explained why they named her Kamala. The root word for her name, Kamal, means perfect. And apparently there was some trauma during Amir's birth, and they didn't think they would have another child. When she was born, they thought she was their perfect miracle, hence the name. I love this story as it adds so much to the family dynamic and explains much of their overprotective nature. I hope I had hoped the show would hit on this maybe next week. Anyway, I'm looking forward to the finale. Uh, so until then stay fantastic. And he spelled it with the P and the H. That's some great comics knowledge there. You know, I think it goes out saying that that does not need to be the source for the MCU, but until we hear otherwise, I mean, that's just a lovely, lovely bit of story there. And uh, I think we should we should declare it almost as official as if it was said <laughs> on screen, you know, until we either have it confirmed or hear otherwise, because that's just that's just a really, really lovely uh, turn there. To Apple Podcasts, Matt, where we have a review left for us by Mad Tav. Uh, it reads, my must listen after watch five stars and it goes on to say i love these guys i don't watch everything marvel because there's just so much but when something really interests me like miss marvel fantastic geek is always my go-to listen after watching they connect everything for me and give lots of great background detail my husband and i are absolutely loving miss marvel i like to pretend i'm an expert by repeating behind the scenes info to him that I learned on Fantastic Geek. I love that. I love, I, that's just, that's, that's made my day, Pete. It's made my day. Pete, last email of the day uh, is an email sent to us this morning. Uh, so at the beginning of the day from Stacy, she says, good morning, Matt and Pete. I was bummed last week when I heard the viewing numbers from Ms. Marvel. Remember how I set this up at the beginning? Okay, that was a, that was a Chekhov's email. Here it is. Uh, this show is such a delight, Stacy says. I hope you're right that people will come back to it when she shows up in later movies. Uh, I loved everything about this episode. It had everything I hoped for. Aisha and Hassan's story was so heartbreaking. From them falling in love, I shipped them from that first look to having Sana'a, to uh, having to flee because Najma found them. All so well done. And it didn't matter at all that we suspected Kamala was going to be the source of the stars that led Sanaa back to her dad. It was beautiful. Then Kamala got to meet Aisha and let her know her daughter was safe. And then I got the thing I most wanted. Muniba sees Kamala using her powers, which leads to her finally believing what her mother has been telling her for so long. And bam, my favorite scene in the episode, a reunion of sorts between mothers and daughters, complete with apologies and tears and hugs. I loved the cousins. Uh, I loved that the cousins casually dropped that Maniba can track where Kamala's phone is after she's been trying to get a hold of her for hours. Why are you just telling me this now? Uh, I'm curious to see what happens with Kamran, who is now powered and alone. I like that we now know he really did think Bruno's name was Brian. Can't wait to see the finale. Also, I wish there was more. As always, looking forward to your thoughts. Pete, that from Stacy, aka Stingray, aka Trek Girl on Twitter. Well, thank you, Stacey, for 
continuing to send us in the emails there and a little bit more information than some of our other social media channels. I think it really adds a level of thoughtfulness. Pete, always thoughtfully adding themselves to the Fantastic Geek team or those who support us on patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, making sure that we are listener supported even as we uh, as we head to to new adventures in the new you know, we're, we're in July now, looking ahead to August. We got She-Hulk coming, we got Andor coming. The jury is still out as to whether there's going to be more Star Trek in the next six months and whatnot. But, you know, all of that made possible by those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to choose from. But it takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door can't contribute right now be like mad tab go to apple Podcasts, leave us a rating in seconds a review in a little while longer to any of our 30 soon to be 31 32 podcast feeds pete let's keep the conversation going here as we count down to wednesday and the final episode of what is hopefully just the first season of ms marvel so pete how can people be in touch with you on twitter you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,622 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a P-H, all one word, like it today. If you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we're back on Sunday to talk Star Trek Stranger Worlds, the season finale, and back on Marvel Movie Monday to talk Thor 4. You hear just from Ms. Marvel. We'll be back, don't forget, not Friday, Saturday. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Pretty sure a Pakistani goodbye is the opposite of an Irish one.